You're about to listen to Grace Pills by Reverend Josh Lai, lead pastor at Caris Center International. Reverend Josh Lai is a preacher of the gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed as you listen. Today I am speaking to what I have titled Confession of Sin. Confession of Sin. And I'm sure it's going to be a three-part series. Confession of Sin. Confession of Sin. Confession of Sin. Everybody say Confession of Sin. All right. These things seem very pious and right. But in practicality, do they promote the kingdom of God? All of us grew up knowing that you would have to confess your sins. When you start prayer, you thank God. After thanking God, you confess your sins. And after that, then you can have access to God. How many of you do that every day? Amen. Right, so we do confession of sins. Amen. All right. And it seems very pious. Until that happens, you don't have a release. Is that right? You don't feel good. Is Is that okay? Is that not true? Okay. So, some pray that God would not let them die before they had confessed all their sins. Is that true? So, they are worried. If they died and had some unconfessed sin in their lives, they weren't going to go to heaven. Are you all faced with that? Eh? You are faced with that? So, for you, you have to confess every sin. So, if the rapture comes, and the time the rapture came, you have not confessed your sin, or you were doing some sin. What will happen to you? You won't go. You see, that's why when I ask you whether you go to heaven or not, you can't answer. Because these things linger on your mind. So every time you are thinking about an unconfessed I like the way the place is quiet. Others have taken confession to the point where they could not function properly in public. So when they are in the middle of something that is very important and they remember 
a sin they have not confessed, they stop and confess it before they move on. Hello? Am I dealing with certain things? For others, their prayer will not be answered by God if they have not confessed their sins, both known and unknown. Hello? Hello? So, that's why the pattern, that's why the pattern, they first start with thanksgiving, and after thanksgiving, they have to confess their sins, because if they don't confess their sins, God will not hear them. So, how come you are in a taxi and the taxi is about to hit and you say, Jesus, save me. And he saves you. But you didn't confess your sin. You see, what we don't do as Christians is that we don't question our faith. We have been taught not to inquire about the faith we believe in. And so what we just do is to follow the crowd. But in the midst of everything that we are doing, we are so confused that anybody can just move us out of our faith because we don't understand our own faith. And so Christians have become the most confused people in the right faith. In the right faith. And we are confused. We don't know who we are. We don't know. We don't know. I said that these people took confession seriously, but did they see the fruit God wants in their lives? Confession to one another can bring healing. So when you and your spouse, you and your boss, whatever, and you come to your boss and say, oh boss, I want to tell you this, da, 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 da. Sometimes it brings healing. Is that true? Is that true? Oh, is that true? Okay. So confession to one another can bring healing and restoration in relationships. It can also help us to understand and learn that we are forgiving and heal our consciences of guilt and condemnation. Is that right? So when you're dealing with somebody and, and, and they come and, and, and you tell them and you confess to them, oh, I... I, I did something wrong against you and all of that. You yourself, it helps you. Is that right? It frees your conscience. You, you are happy that you, you, you are forgiving and, and you are cool. Is that, is, that, is that true? Okay. But have you also realized that sometimes too, it is not always because you confess your sins to somebody and 
they become oversensitive because they have an oversensitive conscience. Is that true? And rather, it creates a whole lot of problems. Hello? Yeah. You know, so what it means is that in even confessing to ourselves, you must really understand the dynamics carefully before you do so. Hello? Right. You must understand the dynamics before you do so. So it's not everybody that, hey, maybe something happens and then you want to say, I'm going to confess to them. They will jail you. And in your mind, your confession is not to be jailed. So if true, true, it is a genuine confession, then you don't care what is going to happen to you. Hello? Is, is that right? If it's a genuine confession, I'm taking it very slowly, allow me, because I know it's very sensitive, so I'm taking it very, very slowly. If it's a genuine confession, and you really are sorry, you don't care. If they jail you, if they, you are ready. But why do you get disappointed? When the person says, oh, so that's what you did, okay, we'll jail you. So you see, these are things that when it comes to confessing, even amongst ourselves, you should be led by the Spirit. Hello. You should be led by the... Now, as I treat some of these topics, you begin to realize that in this New Testament dispensation, there are certain things we have categorized and traditionally we do them because we have learned to do them that way. But in the New Testament dispensation, the believer does not just do things by routine. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So you see, in this dispensation, most of the things you do, you must be led. Because you may do this here and it's right. But you may do it there and it won't hold. But when you are led by the spirit of God. Who knows all things. He teaches you to do different things at different times. And you get it spot on. So believers must be sensitive. To the Holy Spirit. And allow the spirit in them to lead them. Praise God. So the question is this. Is God's acceptance. Relationship with us. And forgiveness. Conditional upon our confession. That's the question. Does God accept us. And relate with us and forgive us because we confessed our sins? That's the question we all want to have answers to. 
When you came to the Lord Jesus, you confessed your sins. Is that right? And then he accepted you. Forgave you. He became your savior and your Lord. So, is that forgiveness temporary? So that if you do something, you have to go and confess again. And then he forgives you, accepts you, and begins to relate with. Have you now remembered that when we were treating some of those topics, I spoke to the fact that when you fall into sin, you receive much more grace. And falling out of grace has nothing to do with sin. It has to do with you not believing in the finished work of Christ. That is when a person falls out of what? Grace. When you fall into grace, what grace does is to rather show you more love. So the Christian does not fall out of favor with God. And their relationship with God is not a topsy-turvy relationship. That is based out of works, what they do and what they didn't do. I'm coming. This man is preaching heresy. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith. So how were you justified? Through what? Through works. Through, so you were justified by. What came with the justification? We have what? Do you understand this word? Shalom. You have peace with God. Now, you have peace with God means that God has no quarrel, conflict ever with you again. And that is why this peace you have did not come by you. The peace came through who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. So you see, the identification bit is what we normally miss. That the father does not see you anymore. He sees Christ. And whatever Christ is, is what you have become. So the father sees you and he doesn't see Ajoa. He sees Christ. And if Christ is sinless, you are sinless. And that's why you have peace before the Father. Your peace has no boundary. Hello. We have peace with God. Somebody say, I have peace with God. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.19. 
For God was in Christ reconciling the world to him. Let's read here. Go. No longer counting people's what? Sins against no longer counting people's sins against them. I am sorry, God is no longer counting your sins against you. God is no longer counting. So you think that God is sitting down. And then today, he says, ah, see, this is what you did. 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 No, no, no. That is not what God is doing. Did I write this? You are so filled with the system of the world that you don't have understanding to what God has done for you. Because that is what the world has taught you. And we bring what the world teaches us into our faith. Instead of taking our faith into practicality to move things and shape things in our world. Christians are the most guilty people on earth. And so what message did he give us? He gave us this, this word of what? And that's why when you hear us preach, and we are not preaching the message of reconciliation, Christ is ridiculed. We preach the message of judgment, which is the Old Testament, when he has called us to preach the message of reconciliation. Letting everybody know that now it is not you, it is him. And everything about you has been counted unto him. So let it rest with his reconciliation. It is no more I, but Christ that lives in me. The message of reconciliation. Philippians chapter 3 verse 5. I love this scripture. This is what Apostle Paul says. He says, for we who worship by the, by the, by the spirit of. So, how do we worship? We worship by what? So, we worship by the spirit of God. And do you think that worship is just lifting up your hands? Worship is a lifestyle. What he's trying to say is that we live our life by the spirit of God. We live our life by his leadership. So he sensitizes us. He tells us what we do. We walk in the spirit. We don't just do things. We have audacity and authentication by what we do because the spirit led us to. And he says, we who worship by the spirit 
of God are the ones who are truly what? Why? Because the Jews felt that they were the original ones. They knew God because God was revealed to them and not the whole world. So they had a special relationship with God. And their special relationship with God came by circumcision. That the man, male man has to be what? Circumcised. So when they are circumcised, that is when they feel holy. Amen. And then after their circumcision, there are various rituals they do. That makes them feel they are the special case that God has. Are you getting the point? So the average Jew feels very special. Because they knew God before everybody knew God. Because God decided to reveal himself to them. And make them a special nation. And they acquire their status by circumcision. Apostle Paul says, thank God we have been moved. Israel, forget it now. God revealed himself to you. But God in another dispensation decided to engage the world. And when he engaged the world, he moved the status of righteousness just from circumcision of the flesh to the circumcision of the heart by the spirit of the living God. So now, the one in whom the spirit of the Lord lives because they have accepted his son are the ones who are truly circumcised. It is not the circumcision of your manhood that gives you righteousness and right standing with God anymore. It is the circumcision by the spirit. When the Holy Spirit lives in you, you are circumcised. And so he says, because that is the case, we rely on what? On what Christ Jesus has. Do you get it now? Yes. We no more rely on what we do for our. We now rely on what Christ Jesus has done. What did Christ Jesus do? Christ Jesus went to the cross. And he died the most shameful death. That every sin of you and I was laid on him on the cross. That by his death, you and I now would live permanently in righteousness status. And so he said, we put no confidence in what? So, your confidence to be righteous is not in human effort. <laughs> no, it is in what Christ Jesus has done. It's in the finished work of the cross. And that is why I started the song, Calvary. That's why I sang the song today. I said, in the cross, be my glory forever. It is not temporary. I don't feel righteous today and then feel unrighteous tomorrow. No, that's not my status. Hello. Are you here with me? 
Watch this. So what purpose does confession serve? Number one. Does it remind God that we need forgiveness? So are you telling me that when you confess your sins, that is when you remind God, hey, You see, we don't ask ourselves a lot of questions. We are not true to ourselves. So are you now reminding God, hey, Chata, you said you forgive me, so now forgive me. Hello. No. Did you trick God into thinking you weren't going to mess up again? Hello. Now, did you trick God into believing that, no, Charlie, after this confession, me, we make mockery of our own faith. And we live in perpetual hypocrisy. Not resting on his grace. What a lie. And a deception. What a lie. What a lie. Do you know that you don't have to do anything to sin? Do you know that you don't have to do anything to sin? Because the earth on which you are just treading on is sinful. So if God has to base his acceptance for you by confession, then when you take one step, All right, go ahead. Is it there to give you a sense that you've atoned for your faults? So is it is the confession there to give you a sense that you've atoned? So the moment you confess, then you feel you feel righteous. So confession now has become your righteousness. What price did Jesus not pay on the cross? So tell me, which one? So what you have done, what you did is too big that that one was not paid for. So you are confessing so that you feel better. Do you think you can do better or did he die in vain? Hello. Ask the next person, do you think you can do better? 
Don't say better, say better. Better. John chapter 9, verse 30. John 9, 30. When he had received the drink, you know, Jesus asked on the cross for drink and they gave him vinegar. The moment he received it, he said, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So they didn't kill him. He gave up his spirit. In other words, I have finished dealing with Every sin, small, medium, big, oversized. He said, it is finished. So, why are you starting over again what has been finished? It is finished. So you are now going back to start the process of Jesus dying, being buried, and being resurrected again. It is what? It is finished. Tetelesta is tetelesta. The word tetelesta, it is finished, means it has been permanently dealt with. Permanently dealt with. Requiring additional payment to Christ, finished work is an insult to Christ. You see, the devil is a trickster. And he has made our faith to go into certain things to make us feel good rather than to Christ's finished work. And he makes us feel very miserable about ourselves. Because the moment you have low self-esteem, you can't operate as a human being. Creativity is lost. You yourself, you don't have confidence anymore. It is the trick of the devil because anybody who is a manipulator, they make you feel down about yourself. Is that not true? They beat you inside out and you lose yourself and then they gain control. The devil is a liar. Next question. Or is confession there for God's sake because you've offended him and are waiting for him to decide if he favors you again? 
So is that what we are saying? That when we confess our sins, we are doing that so that God would decide. So now he knows, okay, I'm giving him the last chance. He said it is what? Finished. Don't use your measuring line to be God's measuring line. Don't use your tolerating point to become God's tolerating point. When he said it is finished, he knew that man cannot take care of himself. That is why he brought Jesus, God becoming man, so that God would take care of the sin issue and deal with it forever. Because right from the garden of Eden, man could not take care of it. When he brought the law, man could not take care of it. So he said, let me myself come. And when I deal with it, the devil has no foothold again. It is done with. So the devil can turn them upside down. I have favored them. I have loved them. And that is permanently done. It cannot be taken away. Romans chapter 5 verse 9. Since we have not been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? Hallelujah. God is no more angry with you. God's wrath is no more with you. We are saved from his wrath. Every time God sees you, he's joyful. Every time God sees you, he's excited. Every time God sees you, he's happy. Anytime God sees you, he's just laughing. Because listen, what Christ has done is done with. And so he's seeing Christ. He's not seeing you. No, he's seeing Christ. And Christ has fulfilled all righteousness. So when he sees you, he's happy. Because of Christ Jesus. So God is never angry with you. Hello. I said God is not. I said God is not. You are not going through what you are going through because God is angry with you. You are going through what you are going through. And the length at which you are going through is because you cannot receive his grace. Simple. The point is that whether you are born again or not, you go through trials. Life will hand over issues with you. Everybody, the Buddhists, the Muslim, everybody goes through it. Nobody is immune by the, the natural um, environment and things. People were in Florida. What did they do? Tell me what they did. What we have done to the environment, the environment gives to us. What, what did they do? Were there not Christians there? Were there not Muslims there? So it has nothing to do with, listen, as for who you are, it has been settled. Don't let problems design who you are. And when somebody does something to you, listen to me, don't add it to their salvation. Separate what they did to you and deal with the wrong. But don't say they are not born again. No. 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 
Isaiah 54, verse 9. Long ago, Isaiah saw this and prophesied. Look at Isaiah's prophecy. Isaiah said, to me, this is like the days of Noah. Isaiah spoke that a day is going to come. And that day is going to be like the day of Noah. We are in that dispensation. He said, when I swore that the waters of Noah would never again cover the earth. So now I have sworn not to be angry with you. Never to rebuke you again. Never to be angry with you. When God swore by Noah that he would never ever make water flood, go and destroy the earth again. Did God say that? Has God destroyed the earth with flood? So if he said he will never be angry with you again, why do you think he's angry with you? Do you think that when God speaks, he speaks for a joke? You, you think God, your God is a comedian? Why is it that we don't take God seriously? When it comes to the negative things of the enemy... We take the enemy seriously. We believe what the devil says more than what God says. We believe what we ourselves say to ourselves more than what God says. He says when people say things to honor you, you believe it. But you don't receive the honor of God. Amazing. When somebody looks at you today dressed and says, you are looking beautiful. You, you are. Where will cry? And God looks at you and says, you're beautiful. I'm not angry with you. You are the apple of my eyes. You are the head. You're not the tail. In fire, in water, I'll be with you. So whether the fire was lit by you, or the water came by you. He said, as for me, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Because I can leave you. Somebody can decide to leave you. Are you getting the point? Yes. And in their leaving you, they have not forsaking you. Because their heart is with you. He said, I'm talking about my very presence and my heart. Both are with you. Yes, I, I will not leave you. My presence is there with you. And my heart is also with you. I will not forsake you. Because you can be present with somebody, but your heart is not with them. He said, both my heart and my physical presence is with you. Give me the next slide. Jesus' sacrifice adequately covered your sins. Hallelujah. This word covered is not the word cover, like cover. I'm talking about with. That to every extent, it has been covered. Praise God. You have been covered. Your back is covered. Every part of you, you have been covered to every extent. Live in his entire grace. Hallelujah. So God does not take offense at you and does not require a constant confession for you to maintain forgiveness. 
Unless. Take me there. Unless. Everybody say unless. Watch this. Unless confession is simply being honest with God and asking for. If that is the definition of your confession. This thing that me, myself, I'm doing is weighing me down. And I don't feel good in it. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Then you have come boldly before the throne of grace. And you would obtain and find grace to help in time of need. Hello. But when confession becomes the condition for forgiveness, it's a deception from the devil. That can be wholesome as long as we don't push it too far, thinking that God will only help us for our sins we have confessed. Am I teaching? Look at Hebrews 9.9. This is an illustration for the present time. Indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being offered were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. So you see, the Old Testament rituals was not able to clear their conscience. And therefore, they have to repeatedly go to the next slide. The blood of Christ, who had no defect, does even more. Through the eternal spirit, he offered himself to God and cleansed our what? From the useless things we had done. Now we can serve the living God. So listen, your conscience must be clear. Do you know what kills a lot of people? Your conscience. That's why most of us are sick. And that's why communion is always wonderful. Because anytime you are eating and dining, it reassures you of your bond with him. It's like Jesus is right here and you are eating with him. Are you getting the point? You re-actually, it's not that you reactivate. That's what the covenant is there. But you reassure your own self that, oh, wow. He's here with me. We're enjoying together. We're eating together. We're cool. The marriage between you and Christ never goes bad. Don't compare it with you and your wife. Don't compare it. Don't compare it with you and your husband. Don't compare it. Please, don't. 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 So, he has cleansed our conscience from the useless things we have done. Now, we can serve the living God. What it means, now you can rest. If the devil comes to condemn you, tell the devil, oh, 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 
since we have a clear conscience before God, he asks us to be bold before him. Amen. Hebrews 4, 16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with, 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 with. So anytime you are coming before the throne, you come with. If he's waiting for your confession, would you come with confidence? No. Anytime. Come with confidence. With boldness. Because Christ has already done it. Amen. So that we may receive what? Mercy. And find to in that time of need. Ephesians 3.12. I love this one. I love this one. It says, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come and into God's Christians timid because the devil is playing with their conscience. Some of you, you can't pray. Some say, oh, because of what I did, I can't pray. The devil is stealing from you. And because you can't pray, you continue. Yeah, that's what he wants to do to you. But anytime you come boldly, listen, love overwhelms your heart. And his amazing grace overwhelms you. And you find strength to be able to do what you could not do before. And keep coming to him. His love reaches out to you. You are never an outcast. You only become an outcast when you say Christ's work is useless. And that's what the devil wants you to throw away. And think that Christ's work on the cross for you is a joke. So you have to achieve your own. Give me the next slide. Hebrews 10.22. Let's all say it together. Go. Let us draw near to with a and with what? So full assurance that what brings. Oh, so it's not works. What brings the full assurance? Faith in what? The finished work of Christ. Where is your full assurance? If you gain your assurance from works, then anytime you have done something wrong, your assurance goes low. And anytime you do something good, your assurance shoots up. You see the life you are living. You see, and that's exactly what we do. So the day we are, we do something good, then yeah. We feel good. Yeah, I'm righteous. Then the moment, and the point is that you'll be sleeping along the way. So the devil is going to capitalize on your low moments and take advantage of you. Don't allow the devil. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from what? And having our bodies washed with pure water. This speaks to the Ghanaian better. Pure water. Listen to me very carefully. 
when you have the word in you, yesterday at at your wedding, I spoke to him. When he he went to Canaan, to the wedding, he see the six spots. They said it's the purification of the Jews. That's what the word does. The word purifies your body. So when the devil comes with guilty accusation, the blood has cleansed your conscience already. Are you getting the point? So how do you deal with your body? Speak the word. Speak the word. I am washed. I am cleansed. I am whole. He has made me pure. You can't contaminate me. Are you getting the point? Go to the next. When we have boldness and confidence before God, it honors who? Clap for Jesus. Clap for Jesus. Clap for Jesus. Number two, it shows that we have faith that Jesus did uh, in washing away our past, present, When I approach God with timidity and uncertainty, what happens? I insult Christ. It does not give me the freedom and relationship that God desires me to have with him. Hello. Let me shoot you to remembrance. When Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden and God came on the scene, Adam, where are you? You see Adam's first response. And then he asked him, who told you that you are naked? Because that's not the relationship he wants to have. Adam saw himself. And that's exactly how the devil makes us see ourselves. He's asking, where are you? And all you are saying, I'm naked. I'm naked. I'm naked. I've come to chat with my friend. Christ has finished the work. And yet my son says he's naked. Give me the next slide. When we teach that confession must be maintained in order for for forgiveness to be maintained, then we lose our confidence before God. Hello. Anytime you are basing your righteousness on your confession, you will lose confidence. Because the next, it will definitely actually, you are never sure if you have confessed all your sins. Or if you will miss them sometime in the future. Hello? Is that true? Next. And if you did confess every sin perfectly, what in the end, you, you would be losing something else, your clear conscience. Because the more you confess your sins, the more you repeat the sin you did. 
And as you are repeating it, the picture comes to you. And it dampens your spirit. And you feel down and feel low. So once you are rather repeatedly confessing, you are losing your clear conscience. The devil is a liar. So you ask, so the more you keep confessing, you ask, I don't deserve to be forgiven. Because number one will come to you. Number two will come to you. Number three will come to you. Number four will come to you. Number five will come to you. And then you, you yourself, as I'm speaking right now, it's coming to you. <laughs> yes! Yes! We have to stop the fake Christianity and embrace the work of the cross. He has finished it all. Give me the next slide. You would always be afraid that the minute you gave up, you will lose your forgiveness. Most of us walk in fear. We cannot talk to God. We cannot approach God. This cycle dishonors Christ and does not produce the fruit that God wants you to enjoy. The fruit of salvation. Hallelujah. What I'm teaching doesn't come without an argument. Because there are certain scriptures that you have quoted several times. Give me the scripture. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all on. So all that I've preached, the moment you see this scripture, you say, hmm, pastor, so next week, I'm going to deal with this scripture. There are two of them. I'll deal with all of them. So I'll deal with one next week. Thank you for listening to Grace Bills by Reverend Josh Lai, Lead Pastor, Carry Center International. We believe the word has begun a good work in you. May God's amazing grace lead you to a peaceful and joy-filled life. Carry Center International, living heaven on earth.